does this inevitable reversion finally materialize here in week eight? COVID starting to pop up again last few weeks. How does this affect Cards Packers on Thursday night football? Given Browns Ravens injuries, I mean, are the Bengals, yes, the Bengals, the best team in the AFC North? Let's address these questions and preview NFL Week 8. It's at the opening bell. Welcome, Kings, to this edition of the Not Your Daddy Sports Betting Podcast and Stream. This week, we are recapping Week 7, previewing Week 8, and uh, let's kick it off by going right into the action that we saw, if I can get there, that we saw last week. So what we have here is our Lee Sharp um, Week 7, uh, my personal, uh, it's basically straight up leans. Um, you, as you see, the market went plus 65 i went plus 15 i was a little bit over leveraged in some spots trying to pick up some gains probably getting a little too cute during a tough stretch these last three weeks where the books really got manhandled um from a historic uh precedent um and i think red even pulled up some data on that that is pretty astounding honestly um yeah so as far as performance um you know Basically, these last three weeks have been kind of tough on us. We've still been about even as far as our personal bankrolls, but I know just as far as handicapping goes, you know, the favorites have just been crushing it across the board, um, especially money lines, especially big favorites. And I think that's kind of where we've gotten um, kind of hung up along with the books is anticipating some reversion of um, parity that just hasn't been happening these last three weeks. And I have a thought as to maybe partial reason why but brett anything you want to add to that um i mean yeah i think you know i posted some research this week that basically just really quantified how extreme some of the performance that we're seeing from some of these you know kind of large cap teams you know heavy public favorites uh are doing so far this season so you know part of the research that i showed was you know if you're a better since week one uh you know trying to win a hundred dollars so it's minus 300 you know risk 300 to win 100 on that team's money line if you bet on every favorite just blindly every favorite of minus 300 or more and their spread and you bet their spread to win a hundred dollars through seven weeks you're up over $3,000 and no other season comes even close. So the next closest season, you're up $1,200 at this point in time. Uh, and this is going back, looking at season data all the way back to 2006. And, you know, the average return by leveraging this type of strategy, betting favorites, obviously not gonna be super profitable. Uh, the average return over the last 15 years has been like 40 bucks 
So your net P&L profit loss, your net profit loss would be up about 40 bucks after seven weeks. And of course we know sports betting is very volatile. So the standard deviation there was like $1,400. So in any, in any season, you could expect that bankroll to be $40 or maybe plus $1,400. So $1,440 or minus $1,400 from there. So you know, negative $1,360, something like that. That's one standard deviation. Now you could go two standard deviations. Two standard deviations is supposed to cover approximately like 95% of instances. And so if you went two standard deviations, now you're up $2,800, best case scenario. So again, as I mentioned, betters following this strategy this season are up over $3,000, which means we are in you know the bottom 5% of outcomes of what we've seen season to date uh again which is just really interesting we all kind of anecdotally know like oh my gosh favorites keep covering and winning straight up every week we see it in survivor we see it in lee sharp's prediction game but you know this research just really goes to show exactly how historic what we've seen these first seven weeks really have been and then like the second part of this research was uh went to go to see oh how can we expect these heavy favorites to perform over the next 10, 11 weeks, you know, into season end. And so I looked at those seasons where heavy favorites did perform well through the first seven weeks that basically isolated it to about six seasons. Again, the next closest season was like up 1200 bucks. Again, we're up 3000. So it's like not even close to what we're doing this year. But in four out of those six seasons, the next 10 weeks, those same betters just got demolished hmm. you know going up a thousand to down four thousand down three thousand so complete sharp reversions uh and then two of those times uh the it was still a profitable strategy but not nearly as much as it was those first seven weeks so i think we can expect for sure a pullback but that's obviously yeah you're at all-time highs so yeah that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, what we saw the first seven weeks is in the bottom 5% of historical outcomes. So I think everyone can safely assume that the next 10 weeks is also not going to be in the bottom 5% of historical outcomes. So we'll see some reversion there. But as the research also shows, in two of those six years, there were times when these heavy public favorites continue to outperform even elevated market expectations and that's one of the reasons why this is really valuable people can look at it like oh that's just you know like different seasons it's not applicable to this season but again market expectations shift with what's going on in the league so when you're trying to assess market expectations that's the best way it's it's not apples to apples but it's pretty close because again the market is adapting and so basically what's the saying is even as heavy favorites started out hot in those past seasons in at least two of those years, those same those heavy favorites maintained their hotness, even as ex the bar kept getting raised and raised and raised. They kept leaping over it, and so it's not a total impossibility for this to keep happening. Uh, but again, I think you know we're we're on the safer side to start to position ourselves for some reversion in this trade. 
I like it. Um, I, I do think I have a qualitative um, kind of understanding or I guess angle as to why we're seeing these kind of lopsided numbers. And I think it has to do with, you know, kind of coming into the season, you know, there's a lot of hype around these rookie starting quarterbacks and to the point where like the best the best quarterback in the class was drafted what fourth fifth so uh, of quarterbacks and so i think maybe what we kind of discounted is our own kind of you know uh bearish case for these quarterbacks we've actually underestimated like under applied to these matchups and these games because as we know this day and age it's a quarterback league and so if if you think justin fields is terrible and he's going against a buck secondary like it's it's sorry not secondary uh, a front line you know it, it, there's a point where does it even matter who the secondary is who, who they're playing like justin fields is not very good at this point in time um and when when the defense plays well you know he can not make a few mistakes and the team can win but when you're playing a team that has an offensive capability of Tampa Bay, you know, maybe that's an opportunity where, well, we know the Bears aren't going to score many points with a terrible rookie quarterback. So will the Bucks score X number of points? And then it be, kind of becomes, oh, well, they can win this by margin in that case. Um, so I, I think, you know, the numbers I think we've been kind of shocked by, but I think there is some qualitative understanding as far as obviously the new coaching and a lot of these new quarterbacks that are just, they're not good. I mean, Mac Jones being the exception, I haven't seen much from, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I think has a future in the NFL, but I'm not sure any of the other quarterbacks really have a future. I, I think it could be a bloodbath here in the next one to two years, not to overreact, um, but Trey Lance looks lost. Justin Fields looks slow. Um, Wilson looks like Darnold Jr. coming into the Jets. I just don't see it. So. That's just kind of my qualitative maybe why the favorites are winning is there's four or five really bad teams with like really bad quarterbacks um and maybe that's why these you know these big blowouts just keep happening um but yeah that's my that's my take for now um but if we touch real quick on performance we can get into the games um the uh, Portfolio Kings playbook, again, kind of struggles. It's actually probably our worst week last week. Um, had some pushes, five losses, three wins. Um, you know, like we talked about, it was another week that the books got kind of slaughtered. We were aligned more so, I guess, with the books in that sense. Um, yeah, really, totals is where we kind of picked up some some wins. Some of our pushes were more on the exotics, derivatives, kind of, you know, we said, go it. If you like this side, if you like the Bengals, take the money line. If you like the Ravens, take the alt line. So if you did go with us, that's kind of how we graded as a push. If you went with the Ravens, you saved some money, potentially, assuming you didn't over leverage, um, then obviously the Bengals took care of business there. Um, but as far as the games uh, last week, just kind of do a quick rundown, because I think we want to get uh, move ahead to week eight quicker this week. Uh, Broncos, Cleveland. Uh, I'll let you take that one, Brett, in a second. I, I mean, I rewatched that game. You know, it's just Broncos are just not a very dynamic team on either side of the ball. Their defense is okay. They were getting gouged, you know, on the ground again. 
Um, you know, and Cleveland didn't need to do much. It was a competitive game overall. Uh, Browns took a 10-0 lead. Um, not a ton to take away other than the Broncos just don't have good coaching. It's And it was my concern coming into the season is I like some of the players. I like the Teddy upgrade. But, you know, you have an old school head coach. You have a poor offensive schemer. It's just not, a, it's not, it's not this day and age in the NFL. That's not a team you can trust against, especially decent teams or good teams. And I think we saw that here, though. I think the Broncos did cover. Um, I think it was on the, the, the spread, but they didn't look good doing it. Um, and Browns being so injured, um, they still found a way to take care of business at home. So any thoughts on that game? Um, well, I mean, Broncos definitely didn't cover the closing number, which, you know, trickled oh, yeah, was two and a, half, a little right? bit lower. Um, you know, and I kind of took my lead from this one following the movements really of that spread, which was staying relatively fixed, even as kind of injury news piled up for Cleveland, obviously led by the Baker Mayfield headline and Case Keenan coming in. And the line didn't really move materially lower despite an avalanche of support coming in on Denver especially from square crowds. I mean, it was all over my Twitter timeline um, and things that I was just reading kind of across uh, the web. So I don't know, I think the main thing even before we really dive into week seven was I did not find much signal from this week really at all. I think it was quite noisy. I mean, again, kind of extensions of themes that we've already been seeing all season long and there's just a limited amount of volatility really happening i think you know the the biggest kind of outlier was you know maybe bengals kind of beating the ravens straight up in in baltimore you know but you know that was a side which is yeah the side we ended up being on and, and speaking of that game, I think we can move to that game. Uh, and real quick to your point, you know, week eight does look much, uh, just from a slate perspective, much more promising, um, especially from a matchup perspective and just the, how the numbers are aligning themselves. Um, but yeah, with the Bengals-Ravens, uh, you know, that game was really actually pretty close until it got out of hand on like one um, uh, one big play late for the Bengals in the, in the second half. It kind of blew the doors open. And then, you know, Bengals took care of business, credit to them. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson played pretty well. Uh, you know, I, it, it's it's a case of, you know, I've gotten a lot of flack for being an anti-Bengals guy because I think Zach Taylor sh- sh- should not be a head coach in the NFL. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a talented roster. It doesn't mean that Joe Burrow is not coming potentially into his own with some receiver and weapons that are, are quite good. Um, and the defense is actually probably one of the more underrated units in the NFL. I mean, definitely top 10. Um, they continue to perform well, in, and especially, you know, there's no great defenses in the NFL, I feel like, this year, and maybe ever more. Um, but, but it's like, can a defense in pockets, can they get a stop on third and, four, third and three? Like, can they get that stop, you know, 50% of the time during a game? Like, you know... 
And the Bengals have shown that they can. They, they can stop the run. They can get pressure on the quarterback. They have some DBs who can stick with the receivers. So the Bengals have, you know, a roster. And I think, like, imagine if you had Sean McVay as the head coach of this team. My question becomes, how good are the Bengals then? Like, besides record, like, as a team that you would trust to bet, I think they become quite trusted, honestly, because of the talent pool and then having a coach that you trust. So really, I think it's just a matter of, you know, finding the spots where the Bengals coaching is not going to sabotage their ability to cover and win a game. Obviously, you're getting six and a half points in this game. It was basically a toss up through about halfway through the, the second, you know, the third quarter, uh, more or less. So, you know, even if Ravens found a way to you know take the lead and squeeze this out, you're probably OK with the cover. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a, a testament to. No one component for any NFL team, even coaching, can you overweigh so extremely that it discounts the other parts that are viably competitive. Um, so that's kind of my big takeaway is I, I haven't like said I love the Bengals. I think they're obviously like a, still a little overhyped just because of their record and winning the AFC. Um, but they're, they're, they're a solid, talented team. Like they have talent. They can win games. They have... A, a decent quarterback so that's my that's my takeaway yeah um i mean again i think we can go through these games extremely fast because i honestly i don't really even I'm, i mean i'm looking at the games there, there's no new narratives there's no new narratives we can say the exact same thing on every single one of these teams all the way down what was surprising I mean, everything um, well, that you said about the Bengals is the things that, you know, I've talked about the Bengals for a couple of weeks in a row now. Um, yeah. You know, same but, thing. Again, the, the the spread between Packers and Washington. Washington probably should have covered, but again, they're a bad team, so they don't. You know, they don't take advantage of the opportunities that they, that they were given, and Green Bay did. And also, we're in this series sequence of, of weeks where the better team, you know, is getting those advantages when it really matters. And that's exactly what happened here. When Washington got came away with zero points on back to back drives inside the the five yard line. You know, Atlanta, Miami, the game play out exactly the way we thought it was gonna play what we talked about last week was we thought we could maybe bet Miami this week, you know, a spread two and a half. Game ends at two saying maybe it is maybe it's not you know we like both these teams they could both be bettable at some point in time but now they're playing each other it's like you know there's all the situational analysis uh, effects kind of coming off the london game last week they didn't take a bye they're on a short week atlanta's on a long week again narratives that are all priced into the line because everyone was citing that as their very first bullet point on their handicap therefore it's irrelevant it's irrelevant unless you think the market is materially mispricing that narrative New England Jets. I mean, you like the Jets. No idea why. I think it has to have been the stupidest side of the entire week. I I don't get it. I don't I don't I don't get it. Well, good thing that, we didn't that bet one, it. Literally, there was no justifiable reason to bet the Jets. They show Well, well they show to, to clarify nothing. before you hold on, to clarify before you put words <laughs> in my mouth. I can lean aside and not bet it. So I never bet it, never told us to bet it. it I was a side I considered because I like that side. It doesn't mean I actually was dumb enough to bet it. So there's a difference. But 
continue. Uh, Giants, Carolina, you know, again, Sam Darnold has been playing questionably. Uh, and their offensive line got banged up. Uh, yeah, their offensive line had is the wide receivers terrible. continue to drop passes. Um, again, they're, they've been trending lower week for week for week. Shows up again. You know, KC continues to have problems. The biggest one here was the surprise was the offense, not just the defense. But nonetheless, they got issues. And the same issues keep showing up. It's turnovers. It's sloppy play. And it shows up again. <laughs> you know, it's just like you can go all the way down this list. And it's just like it's the same story. Yep. You know, Justin yeah, Fields looks like crap. He's under a ton of pressure. He can't looks at his first read and it's empty or they drop the ball mm-hmm. or he gets sacked a million times. And Tampa destroys Chicago. Like, yes, I mean, from that from that standpoint, is it fairly predictable? The good teams did what they do, and the bad teams didn't. And the teams that are struggling struggled, and more or less across the board. Um, you know, the Lions put up a, a fight for a while with the Rams, um, which is what the Lions do. Then they start to lose by some margin. Um, yeah, I mean, and they and they, you know, obviously did is, is tried to pull out all of the stops just to hang around in that game for a while. Yeah. Um, probably their their mini Super Bowl of the season, and now it's in the rearview mirror. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they perform, kind of moving forward. Yeah, and then, and then to your point, obviously Texans with David Mills are just awful, and they're unloading players right now. They trade Mark Ingram. Not that that's a big deal, but um, no. The, you know, the main thing there is too is is what I'm. I don't know how I'm not seeing this cited as a reason why the Texans struggled in that game. Was this is now the second week where they're missing three out of five starting offensive linemen. Their offensive line wasn't good yeah. to begin with. That was the reason. It was not like Davis Mills per se. Like it was the fact that he he's obviously not a great quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. But it, then if you put him under duress, then he's going to be a really bad quarterback. Well, and it wasn't Sam. even that he was making a lot of mistakes. He couldn't do anything. Yeah. And also bad play calling. They're running the ball first, second down, as if you got Patrick Mahomes back there, like can pick up mm-hmm. third and nines effortlessly. It was, again, they had, they started off the game. You know, the defense did a very admirable job. Uh, but it's, it's, it's questionable coaching. I don't think it's an effort thing, but it also it's a bad team that's now injured in some of the most vulnerable spots. And I mean, again, Arizona didn't even play a good game. This line moved all the way up to minus twenty, and they still cover. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, and, the, and then obviously Colts, San Francisco is a tough game to pull anything away since the weather was so bad. It really could have swung either way for half the game. You know, just players couldn't hold on to the ball because it's so wet and slippery and quarterbacks dropping the ball and not able to throw it well. Um, so I, I honestly think I, I think the market has um, underrated both these teams in different types of ways. Now, obviously, you know, Niners lost straight up and they were favorites. Um, but I think moving forward, I think Colts and Niners are going to be better than people think. So kind of like a rough start to the season, but they're, you know, they're just, they have a season coach. They have a season quarterback, even though Jimmy G and Carson Wentz are not the best quarterbacks. Um, they're definitely capable. I mean, they're, they're capable of putting their team in position, not having the big turnover. Um, 
So I think moving forward, if the, if the market's underestimating those two teams, I think those are two teams that you can find some nice spots to uh, to be on. Um, and then S Seattle, New Orleans, you know, obviously Geno Smith's not great and they're not going to let him do much anyways. So it, not a lot, I think, to take from that. Also, the weather was not very good. Um, you know, Winston didn't blow the game. So on the road against Seattle, eh, I would take that as a, as a, a good play for him as far as confidence moving forward. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right though. For the overall slate for week seven was pretty overall. We've seen this movie before. It's pretty predictable from a nothing new to really take away other than just really monitoring those injuries. And then honestly, we're at the time of the year where the weather is gonna come into play, especially for like some totals and some matchup issues. Um, so that's definitely some key components to start handicapping in more uh, specifically, I think. Um, I like it. I like the speed. Week eight. So, are we going to do our five pick game? Let's do it. Okay. I'll start this week. Let's give you a tough one. Uh, where does your bias lean? Let's pick on it. Um, I'm curious to see this one. Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Pittsburgh obviously coming off the bye. Cleveland banged up. Is Baker going to start? Is he not? Should he start? I don't know. Yeah, the news coming out of the week's practice. You know, I, I was reading that you know, Mayfield was getting the starters reps with the first team offense. I mean, I don't know. If that means he's going to play, you'd think that it would. Uh, I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> um, trying to force the issue here when Case Keenum played, capable. you know, I certainly think. serviceable. What he's uh, done? I mean, he took he took the Vikings to the NFC Championship game three years ago. I don't. If 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 Baker's really like hurt, I don't even know what they're doing. I think he's not Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm not sure there's a big drop-off between healthy Baker and healthy Keenum to begin with. So, no, I, I think Case Keenum is a serviceable backup who can perform well in stints, um, do what he needs to do, not make a ton of mistakes. Uh, lower volatility, lower ceiling, lower floor. Mm -hmm. So more predictable. But I think, you know, Mayfield certainly has a higher ceiling can put in much yeah. more uh, robust performance. You know, he has the capacity to do that. Uh, where Case Keenum, you know, doesn't really have that capacity at this stage in his career. And also, I mean, I don't know. I guess I trust Stefanski and, and know he knows better. Uh, you know, and maybe he knows from what he's seen out of Keenum that, you know, try to have him on the field is... is as in few possible games as possible. Um, well, I wonder if it's a, I, I wonder if it's a matchup thing too. I wonder if they think you know, like you said, Keenum's kind of predictable, and that that is not going to beat the Steelers in this game. So give me the variance of Baker and his injury. You know what I mean? Like whereas if they were playing, you know, a lesser like the Jets, it's not like. 
Like, honestly, I mean, I know Baker was injured for Thursday, but I think they more confidently went into Thursday with Keenum knowing they were playing Denver, maybe, at home. And now that they're playing the Steelers, maybe this is a little more of a, let's get our our stallion up and running, even if it's mm -hmm. a risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do not expect the same side of uh, performance out of their, their running game. Um, well, yeah, not versus the Steelers. I, I, would, I would probably lean Steelers here plus the four, um, but I, it's it's it does, definitely does not give me confidence because I still have not seen anything out of the Steelers' offense that mm -hmm. suggests they're turning a corner or I, I think it, they are what they are. And yeah, yeah. every from time to time, Roethlisberger is going to hit a big play. And then there's well, going to be four other complete duds to, mm -hmm. again, I think they've been lucky to not, he has not thrown as many interceptions as interception worthy passes that he's definitely thrown. Also have gotten just anecdotally from the games I've been watching, you know, a lot of penalty luck um, as far as, you know, very consequential penalties going their way that ultimately ends up dictating the outcome of games uh, and flows of games. So, uh, I think always, you know, the injury bug, continue to monitor it over the course of the season, especially as you get into the end of the season or end of the week. But, uh, you know, I'll probably lean Steelers plus four here. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think it's three and a half or three now, but. Um, I see four on Bookmaker. Oh, nice. So what's moved up? Um, I actually, I like that a lot. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, considering what the Steelers had their buy, you know, I want to look deeper into how that off week went because especially so i've noticed over the years like when a defense is clunky going into a bye or when an offense is out of sync which it has been for the steelers like not it's not even not even just bad just like out of sync like it's almost like they like they didn't do anything in the off season like just like brand new quarterback brand new like no one knows what the fuck's going on um is i wonder if the bye actually like it, it helps uh generally those teams just kind of get situated so they're a little more on the same page. Um, so that's where, I, if, if we get a pulse on this week of how the Steelers' off weeks kind of went, um, that Steelers' offense is even marginally better. They, I think they're definitely live here, especially with the Browns' injuries. I think Denzel Ward got banged up. You know, so they're just, uh, Browns really are getting hobbled in a lot of places. So um, I could definitely lean Steelers, I think, with you. Um, so next up for me, you go ahead. Who who am I uh, un under the gun for? Yeah, I'll give you um, the Patriots plus five and a half at the Chargers. Mm -hmm. I I gotta take the Patriots. I mean, so oh man, this is such a recency bias play, but in part based on last season, obviously, you know. Patriots demolished Justin Herbert in his worst game as a pro, I think. Um, Chargers didn't look good last week versus the Ravens. They're back home playing the Patriots. Patriots look great against the Jets. So does everybody. I just don't see... I just don't see how this line is five and a half. I, I guess I'm, I'm more bullish on the Patriots than I think most people. And I, I'm... Bullish on the Chargers as a franchise with Justin Herbert, but I'm not necessarily like in love with them as a team this year per se. I think they're good, 
think they're like the Bengals. Like they'll be fine. Maybe they'll make the playoffs, but like probably their cap. Um, so I think this line's a little high, especially for in LA because it's gonna have a lot more Patriot fans than Charger fans. So I would have this more closer to three. Um, so yeah, the line's high to me. I think Patriots are, are a very competitive team in general. Obviously well coached. Mac Jones is getting more comfortable in the offense. Um, they can run the ball. Chargers struggle against the run. So just those factors. I think the points are the better play. And Patriots can win straight up. I, I think that's definitely on the table. So Yeah, the Patriots, you know, obviously absolutely demolished the Chargers last season. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the things that our buddy Ron A Sports talks a lot about is the Chargers special teams. And special teams was so bad last year, has been for the last decade plus. Uh, really compromised that game and dug them into a very deep hole versus the Patriots last year. And the Patriots are their top five offense uh, um, special teams. And the Chargers in dead last. Again, in special teams, it's even despite the coaching changes. So something's in the special teams water out <laughs> in LA. Um, but it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that shows up in a meaningful, meaningful way again in this game. Uh, I probably will have to lean Patriots as well. Um, but from a rhythm perspective, you know, d- definitely doesn't seem, doesn't seem right. Um, yeah. I mean, then I mean, then again, I mean, like you said, you you've been kind of reality checking us on the Chargers throughout the season, and how, oh man, the Chargers look so good, but like they just didn't win by a lot, or they barely won. Like, well, yeah, that's because that's I mean, that's that's what teams that aren't great do. You know, like look at the Bucks. Bucks play the Bears. They win by thirty. Like, like it's just they take care of business. Um, Chargers have been a little more kind of struggling spots where like they didn't punt this game, but they still lost. Like, so to your point, you know, a bad special teams, you know, not great at stopping the run. Like basically, they have Achilles heels. They have issues, um, and so the question becomes, well, who can take advantage of that? And it's you know, obviously with Bill Belichick and a team that. You know, Patriots have played well overall over the course of the season. Obviously, they struggled in that Houston game for the first half. Um, but I think the testament of them coming back and pulling that game out just kind of shows their resolve and just kind of how they're kind of rallying as a team together. Um, yeah, so I, I think Patriots is definitely live here. Um, okay, next well, up. I think the thing is, too, with, with, with Chargers is just um, even to the Ravens to some extent, uh, as it showed up in the Bengals game, is just the – the coaching decisions that are creating elevated variance, mm-hmm. uh, it may, just increases obviously then therefore the uh, difficulty in really forecasting mm-hmm. how these games are going to play out, what the margin of victory, what the score is going to be. And obviously mm-hmm. that's all what you're kind of doing with the spread and just the, the left and right tails are just being blown out. Mm-hmm by these types of, of decision-making, uh, high leverage, um, 
play calls at certain key moments in the game that either bring the team all the way back and win. And again, we saw it in back-to-back -back weeks with the Chargers, the on the right side of variance and on the wrong side of variance. Mm. You know, one an incredible comeback from you know multiple scores down versus a tough team like the Browns, and and then end up covering and win almost winning by a touchdown, mm. and then getting absolutely doors blown off not even competitive versus the ravens this is the same team back to back week and i think there's going to be some blowback hmm. you know over time on these types of calls uh i think you know teams are are especially the teams that don't even really truly understand the analytics behind it uh, are getting cuter with hmm. their play calling and i mean i you know, I, I want to. This is something I want to look at over the course of this week. But you know, the teams going for it on fourth and one, like beyond fourth and one, so at least fourth and two and beyond, on their own side of the field in the first half of games. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it more this year than ever before. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, when though they're such high leverage plays, if it does not go your way it completely throws the game out of whack. It's very, you know, difficult to predict. And so the edge might just be in avoiding those teams. Hmm. Yeah, and, and to those teams' credit, you know, those high leverage plays got them a win versus two losses, I would think, and if you kind of stack those games in that sense. Um, all right, next step. This is an interesting one. Curious your thoughts. Washington, Denver. I, I think the line's currently minus three Denver. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go Denver here. I like what I've seen out of Washington. You know, I, I'm not nearly, you know, I was higher on Washington going into the season for sure than I think the market. Um, the thing is, is I mean, when I watch them, I think the market is like way too low on them. Um, I mean, I just don't think they're they're that bad. I mean, again, their secondary definitely gets exposed, uh, but their defensive line, you know, definitely showed up versus Green Bay. But it, but it has been showing up I, again. They haven't been having like the same headline driving um, sacks and things like this. And also, they're not winning games. So even if they are getting pressure, I mean, they're, they're not getting the same sort of exposure as they otherwise would be because they're not winning games. But that defensive line has been playing well pretty much all season. Uh, I mean, they're in the top five, top two on pressure rates, um, you know, which is more yeah. uh, of a signal than, you know, just raw sacks are. Uh, so the, the front four, you know, has been playing well. It's that secondary obviously that's been getting exposed. And then the offense is just super, super clunky. Uh, again, dealing with injuries here and there. And it's just, you know, it's just not coming together. Um, again, they, they have a good drive here or there. Um, you know, it's not like they're ju just flat out bad and they're not good. Um, yep. I think they're inconsistent, a little yeah. bit less than average and they just been on the wrong side of variance, uh, I, I guess outside of the Falcons game. Um, maybe the giants, I don't know. Maybe they've been, I, I mean, I they're in a variant, they're in a game <laughs> in a lot of games where they could go kind of eat so many different ways. Um, uh, but again, I don't, I don't think they're as bad. But I, I think kind of like the same sentiment with Denver. I mean, I think we've seen like several, you know, obviously crashing back down to earth after starting off 3-0, and playing first three relatively bad 
you know, some of the, some of the worst teams in the league and now have had, you know, a couple very lukewarm performances mm. in a row, but this little mini buy kind of coming off the Browns game, you know, might've been an extra kind of long weekend, an extra three days that this team really needed. I mean, I know like they're accumulating more and more injuries. So again, that's something you want to look at. I don't know. As I've talked, I've, I've kind of grown even less certain on, on taking Denver. Um, yeah. I think this line is, I, I think this line's like, probably right. One, right. Like there's a lot of minus threes this week. And I think this one's the one, like one of the ones you like can't take, like you either take Washington cause you're getting the three or like you can't take Denver unless it's under three. Um, just cause these teams are built very similarly, just very defensive front minded, um, at below average quarterbacks don't have a lot of offensive weapons, but have like a weapon or two, um, not amazing coaching, a little bit old school style type coaching. So it just seems like these teams are like basically like the AFC NFC version of each other, um, which tends to lean towards similar game plans, you know, similar structure and style. So like, I just don't see a lot of edge, honestly, um, laying points here. So for me, it would have to be Washington or layoff personally. Um, or you could do... Looks like Jerry like, Judy might be coming back. Yeah, Jerry Judy's week, coming so. back. Um, this might be a great game to honestly like do some some kind of tease or parlay entry game. Um, you know, like a take the team you like and the under or tease it type thing. Um, kind of correlate it. Yeah. Um, yeah I think the main takeaway play. here, though, is, is again, that long, the long kind of mini buy was something the Broncos definitely mm -hmm. needed. Yeah, that's, that's um, and point. I think it, that that will be beneficial for them. And again, getting Jerry Judy back will definitely is material, I would say. Um, and again, I feel like all the things why people liked the Broncos in the in the beginning of the year, now everyone's just thro throwing those variables out the window. Mm -hmm. Oh, the game's in Denver. Oh, that would be meaningful. Now, eh, who cares? Oh, but Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he's conservative yep. and he's not going to really put this team in compromising positions. Oh, well, now that's apparently a weakness um you know oh god like a good secondary and you know some some defensive stars obviously suffering from injuries now but you know um i'll, I'll probably still think I'll, I'll for the sake of this little mini contest between you and i i'll, I'll go denver master we gotta get our picks from last week too up at some point um okay who am i under the gun for um jags seahawks jags plus three. Oof, man in seattle Ugh, I, I'm going to start with, I don't, you know, I, I think Gino is capable as a backup. That said, Seattle does not intend to use him to win games. So it's, it's almost immaterial how decent he can or cannot be because he's not being going to be utilized to win the game. Now, obviously, they covered these last two weeks, but in part that was because I think a little bit of a vanilla game plan and playing teams that didn't really try to exploit Seattle's secondary. Steelers don't throw the ball well. And I think in the weather on the road, you know, Sean Payton basically said, we're playing Geno Smith, Jameis. Let's not get, get too cute. Let's play within ourselves. Let's keep it tight. We'll pull it out in the end. And I think that's exactly what they did. Now they're playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville has had two weeks to prepare, coming off their huge win. Oh, man, that sounds terrible to back Jacksonville here. 
Um, you know, everyone's gonna say, oh, Jacksonville going across the country, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's, it's tough. I could really, I think I could really make a case either way. Either Jacksonville wins straight up or, or Seattle crushes them, I feel like. I, I, I don't, this to me seems like a weird variant type game um, that you're going to feel really smart whichever side you end up on or really dumb if it goes against you. Huh. Yeah, I honestly don't have a great angle on this game other than if you look at the matchup uh jacksonville you know i think jacksonville's found a little bit of a rhythm offensively like they they understand now urban that get james robinson involved run the ball get trevor lawrence comfortable you know go to your weapons but both these defenses are not very good seattle's secondaries isn't good can't really stop the run either um i almost think an over might be the play here depending the weather. Um, ah, shoot. I think I got to take the points with Geno at quarterback. I just don't see Seattle trying to win by margin with Geno at QB. So it'd have to be, it'd have to be like turnovers by the Jags type, you know, type game, which is possible, but. So you're doing Jags. Yeah, I think I'm going to do Jags here. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't love it. I, but if if I have to, I guess I'm taking Jags. Yeah. See, I mean, this this would be one of those where I would say it's it's a it's a definitely you cannot bet Jags yeah. because Feels I mean like you're that. betting the Jags at the tippy top. Peak. We're um, right back to where there's these overinflated sense of the Jags going into Week One versus Houston. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, Jags plus three on the road versus Seattle. I mean, Seattle just played New Orleans, who there's a lot of people in the market who have very high perspective of New Orleans mm-hmm. and played in Pittsburgh, you know, which kind of regardless of, of how well the Steelers are playing, you know, playing in Pittsburgh is, is, is always tough. You know, it was primetime. Good time, time football, very, and then prior to that was playing the Rams. Hmm. You know, which he played. You know, for at least Geno Smith playing for for that half. None of which were they were competitive in all of them. Mm-hmm. So now they're playing the Jags. Which are the Jags getting better week by week? Yes. Is the extra time off probably beneficial for them? Yes. Like, are they developing chemistry? Yes. But. This is you're paying a premium for, for yeah, taking Jacks plus three here. I think that's why um, I see this as a variant game. Is I think to your point, like what you just said about the Jags could stack in their favor, and they do they do win this because Geno struggles. But the other flip side is they're way you know the lines way off and. Mm-hmm. Seattle wins by seven. To... I, I don't see why he should necessarily struggle versus this defense. I mean, the de- yeah. the Jags defense hasn't done anything of note. I and in again, any I, game. I, I think Geno's again. I think Geno's actually played fairly well given his circumstance. Um, not not any big mistakes. Taking what the defense gives them and the coaching staff's not trying to do too much with them right now. Whereas the Jags, eh, if you're going to open it up. 
at home, now's the time to uh, see what he can do. Um, especially because, I mean, if you really look at the position from Seattle from a macro standpoint, well, one, you have to win this game to even have a chance at the playoffs. Um, but, but two, it's like you, you gotta you gotta find how far Geno can take you because he's gonna be quarterback the next three weeks. So, I mean, you gotta, I mean, if you're the coaching staff, you gotta find a way to unleash him a little bit because you're gonna need him the next couple weeks, at least. So, yeah, I think you make the case like this is a game where like I'm. I'm probably not going to bet at all, but if I do, I think Seattle straight up or some version of Seattle would mm-hmm. be uh, preferred. And again, I, I don't love must-win narratives, but you know, obviously this is one of the worst starts in Pete Carroll's coaching career with Seattle. Um, for all likelihood, for all intents and purposes, they're probably they probably are already out of it. But I mean, they're definitely out of it if you lose at home versus Jacksonville. I mean. I don't see how, again, he has such a long-standing tenure. It's, there's probably no circumstance where this happens. But, I mean, I think I was talking about in the preseason previews, like, Pete Carroll should be fired. Like, <laughs> he shouldn't be the coach of this team. He's stayed well past yeah. his yeah, prime yeah, yeah. in the league. Um, well, and, 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 that's and something... if you lose at home to this team, I mean, you should be fired. Well, and that's... You know, it's rarely talked about, but, you know, if we talk about athletes peaking, I don't know why we can't talk about managers, GMs, coaches peaking. You know, it comes to a point where Phil Jackson peaked. Comes to a point where the best, maybe Bill Belichick, not yet, but maybe, you know, they peak. It's just because it takes takes a lot of diligent time and focus and energy and and creativity. Because, again, like, like we point out on many of our pods, it's not it's not just a science. It's an art. And, you know, art takes a lot of emotional, physical, and mental energy that is not just one plus one equals two. One plus one equals two. It's not that simple. Because if it was that simple, everyone could do it and it'd be great at it. Um, so, yeah, maybe, well, maybe there's... you have a coaching philosophy that's inflexible the way Carol says. Exactly. Well, and that's what I mean is is eight, with, with age comes kind of maybe this kind of, um, you know, stuck in the mud, can't change much have to keep it the way it was when in the good old days and it's like well things evolve you have to evolve with it so um all right next up for you oh, that's a good one i think i know where you're gonna go but i'm gonna, I'm gonna i want to see your opinion dallas minnesota looks like it's minus two well minnesota's at home i guess is why well, I see minus one on Bookmaker now, so it's come down. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, if there is ever a good game for, you know, I I am, I was bullish on the Vikings from a macro perspective in the beginning of the season. Um, I'm probably going to do Vikings plus one here. Um, I mean, again, they're one of the more capricious teams in the league. Uh, hard to follow their zig and zag. Uh, but I think this is as good a time as any to bet them. When Dak is uh, hobbled, and- he, he, you know, something to monitor. He's, I, don't know, I don't know how serious or not it is, but he's got like a quad issue, mm-hmm. um, which obviously that, you know, mm-hmm. could be. I, and again, from, from a, uh, a quantitative 
kind of reverse momentum signal. I mean, Cowboys are six and zero ATS. All right, and and the and the Cowboys are not, you know, the Jags or, you know, the Jets or the Bengals or the Titans, you know, or the Falcons. You know, some team that doesn't have a rapid fan base across the country that people will bet regardless of how good they are. And now they actually are good. People have been pounding Cowboys every single week and getting rewarded for it. I feel like this has honeymoon. What it, well it's... stayed past their prime. Mm-hmm. 6-0 ATS, 7-0 ATS with like a fan favorite team. I mean, I know we're in an unprecedented year with some of the performances that we're seeing and the persistence of yep. those performances. But this is not just a pure fade of that. There is fundamental reason to also lean into Vikings. Is this, um, and, and I'm not saying books cool. books make bets based on their kind of like opening uh, line or, or where they put it at as far as starting the week, but it seems to me, you know, if, you know, as a bookmaker, you have every reason to kind of like pump this up a little bit to minus three, keep it at three, three and a half, maybe like really, really make the Cowboys unappealing to the market, which makes me think like, well, they didn't worry. They're not going to do that here because their numbers say their real numbers say, well, I mean, Vikings is the side. So what I'm saying is they're not even going to give you the opportunity to make the Vikings appealing in this spot because I feel like the confidence of the number that says, well, this, this is, this is a great spot for the Vikings to take the Cowboys out, you know, relative to the ATS. So yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think spot wise. And again, for the Vikings, fundamentally having some time to get that defense kind of continued to be up to speed, which they've really improved throughout the season. Uh, They've gotten kind of more and more cohesive and kind of Mike Zimmer's difficult to, you know, understand scheme. So that defense gels, if that defense can get top 10, that's what we said. The offense already can be dynamic at times when Kirk isn't bad Kirk. Um, Cowboys don't have a great defense, so Vikings are going to score. Cowboys are probably going to score a little bit, but the Vikings defense might be the difference in this game. So, yeah, I think I like the angle. I think, yeah, I think Vikings can be a player. Um, okay, cool. I'm up. I'll give you Jets, Bengals, Jets at home plus 10 and a half. Really put me in a place, didn't you? Lean the Jets last week. Hate Zach Taylor. I don't hate him. I'm sure. I'm. I mean, I, I said he could be getting better. Like he can't get worse from the last couple of years. So, you know, everyone can improve. Um, this is my thing with the Jets. I think part of the problem coming into this season is this assumption that the Jets aren't the worst team in the NFL because they change things but I'm not sure they're better than Houston like I'm not like Houston's bad especially without Tyrod Taylor like I really think these two teams could be on par about the same especially with you know they were missing CJ Mosley versus the Patriots Um, just like their best defensive player you know and Zach I I mean losing Zach Wilson I don't think is a downgrade at this point I mean he's one of the worst quarterbacks I mean really bad 
But the other guy is not very good either. White, I believe, is his name. If he's if he's the starter or Flacco, it's just you can't take you can't take the Jets here. I don't know what it is. Like you can't you just can't do it. I mean, what are you what are you betting on? You're, you the only bet here is will the Bengals put in a Jags performance, or will the Bengals put in a which was was dependent on the Jags playing actually quite well in the first half which I don't see the Jets doing, or is it a Bengals-Lions performance? And I lean a, a Bengals-Lions performance, and I think the Bengals have a little bit of what the Cardinals have had, which is this kind of like, we're not as good as our record, and we know that, but like we, like we believe that we can be that good. And so there's a little bit extra oomph in these games to go a little bit extra, just, just add, you know, get that extra score, get that extra foot, that extra yard, um, and kind of become what the hype tells you you are. And so maybe the Bengals are in that kind of mode right now. So I don't, you know, beating the Ravens, like it could be a letdown spot versus a team that's average. But I think playing a bad team like the Jets, is it a letdown spot? Like can the Jets score? Like how many points are the Jets going to be able to score here if they don't get turnovers in the red zone? 13 points? But it's too many points to lay for the Bengals. You just, you can't. Oh, it's so bad. It's such a bad game. Shit. This is, I'm stuck. How about, give me your take and then I'll make a pick. <clears throat> um, I mean, it's, it's not a good situation for the Bengals. I mean, you're coming off a uh, big win one of the biggest wins in franchise history in many years versus you know a division rival a team that lamar jackson's beaten every single year um you know everyone questioning them kind of going into the matchup and now kind of feeling justified mm. but now going on the road as a heavy favorite i mean when's the last time the bengals were double digit favorites I'll look that up and, and, and I'll tweet about it. Um, I can't, I have to imagine, I don't even, I don't, I mean, I, the Carson Palmer years, maybe. Um, so a very long time ago. And, uh, you know, we don't know who's going to be at quarterback for the Jets. And obviously that can be a detriment for the Bengals. And just how, how much are the Bengals really focusing? Um, yeah, that's a good point. It, it is. I mean, it is too many points, so you can't. You can't the Bengals take are them. not mature enough, I think, to be bet as double-digit road dogs versus yeah. a pro NFL team, and it's they still have bad coaching. This is so, a game, and, and I agree. This this is a game that like this is a I don't want to say square sharp. This is like. You have to play the number. You bet the ten and a half. Like if you're if you're if you're betting, let's say you had to bet every game in this slate, you got to take the Jets. Like it's just like over time, you got to take these kind of spots and this this kind of number. But for like contests and like one offs, it's like, I mean, can you though? Like, are you gonna put it in the super contest or circuit? You know, it's it's not really worth it, just because the variance is like, well, the Jets are really bad, and they may be starting oh, yeah, a quarterback and- who's terrible. 2021 says the Bengals will surely cover this. Yes. Because the Bengals are the better team 
uh, decisively so. And it doesn't matter about home road distinction. Bengals have better quarterback. Bengals have better defense, have better wide receivers. So all the skill kind of aspects, Bengals are far superior, better run game. Uh, and so, and the Bengals are a heavy favorite. They're mm-hmm. minus five, 16 on the money line. All right. Well, we already know that pretty much every team minus 300 and above has never lost this season. So, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, Bengals certainly going to win, at least depending on, you know, again, 2021 precedent. Definitely going to be highly picked for Survivor, likely to be 40% of the field. I guess, I guess we'll be taking them, maybe, maybe. Well, for, for let's say a Survivor perspective real quick, is if you're going to take the Bengals here, like the bet is the, is really what I said before, is can can the Jets in this spot take advantage of a Bengals let letdown like the Jags did? And I don't I don't think the Jets are as good as the Jags. Like to be honest, I don't think they have the the weaponry um, offensively to put in that kind of performance. So it's gonna it have to be a complete just let letdown only, like only a letdown by the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And I just don't. I mean, that's it's it's on the table. It could happen, but I mean, the odds of that are pretty low, and it's you know, obviously you can't really handicap that easily, anyways. So, yeah, yeah. So I guess, I guess Jets, like you said, may, like as far as margin, can the Jets? Every time I ask this question, by the way, it almost like never happens. Like I think last week I was. I said, like, can Washington get over 14 points? Then, then bet the over and like tease it with Green Bay. And it's like, no, they could have, they like, they should have, but they didn't. So, it's another another one of those. I want to be like, can the Jets get 13 points? They may not. That that's happened plenty of times this season with these types of teams. So, but. I guess I'll eat it, take the Jets, look dumb when they lose by 25. So now I gotta pick one for you, right? Are we this is fourth or fifth? Fourth. Feels like I've already done 12. Um well here we go. I know what you're gonna do here, but I want to hear you talk about it. San Francisco, Chicago. Chicago minus San Francisco minus four. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to, to bet the Bears at any point right now, especially <laughs> For if any reason. you're playing a notable defense that can put the type mm-hmm. of pressure on fields that makes his brain explode, um, which the Niners are certainly capable of doing. So... And Niners clearly have coaching edge. I think Nagy is is out of the equation for this week due to COVID. Uh, I mean, he could he could still be influencing the, the trajectory of the game plan still, you know, via Zoom, etc. Kind of like all that they did, you know, last off season. Um, I, I and yeah, I'll let you do your pick, but I have a take on this. 
I mean, I, I would just probably do Niners, you know, minus four coming off the letdown, you know, the disappointing game versus the Colts, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, again, the, the, the environment in that largely dictated what was going to happen in that game. Just obviously increased the, the variance exponentially. Um, and there was just the Niners in that game were just out coached. Yeah, is, yeah. is what happened. It wasn't really what was happening on the field and in the in the personnel. Um, I mean, the Niners. I mean, that the, the Colts, you know, took advantage of the deep ball, getting those penalties that put them in extremely favorable positions over and over and over again. I think it happened three times. Mm-hmm. And in the game where you can't move the ball and you get fifty-yard chunks, it's un. It can be unrecoverable. Um, yep. and, and, and it was it was a one it was a one possession game going late in the fourth quarter, so it was really a toss up straight up um, in the end. Yeah, so I think you know, I, again, I I think home field is situational and matchup driven, but I think situationally, like this whole minus four. I mean, culture. I mean, sorry, San Francisco's minus four versus the Colts at home. Now they're minus four on the road to Chicago. Now, I understand why. Chicago is a meaningfully downgrade, like a meaningful downgrade from the Colts. So, like, the whole relevancy of, like, oh, the swing of six points from home to away, I just don't buy it in this type spot. You know, San Francisco is a much better team than Chicago and kind of can take advantage of what everything you said with Justin Fields especially. So... I would be okay laying it here. Um, I think this line obviously would be higher if San Francisco met expectations. So remember, the Bears have overperformed. San Francisco's underperformed. So I think this line probably should be closer to six, if not six and a half, seven. Um, If we really evaluate what the Bears really are, which is they have a decent defense, but their offense is awful, maybe worse than the NFL, maybe Jets level bad. So you're looking at a team that's like almost the Jets and they're only laying minus four. I mean, how much Jets are laying 10 and a half for Cincinnati. So let's put context to it. 10 and a half for Cincinnati with Zach Taylor. Chicago laying four. Like almost a touchdown difference. Where's the Niners? Who have Kyle Shanahan, who have Jimmy Garoppolo, who have a good defense. What's the difference? Records? records that's what's that's what's different so line short compared especially to that jets game um so yeah niners i'll give you um bucks minus six on the road versus new orleans yeah i like this so obviously new orleans a little bit of a short week had to go to seattle gotta come all the way back um everyone knows that back at home but this is the truth. These teams play each other tough. Even when one wins by margin, like it's competitive. They hate each other. Division rival type stuff. Okay, great. I'm, I mean, the big thing to monitor to me is the Bucks injury report. If they're still fairly hobbled in the secondary, I think New Orleans is the play. I've, I've already bet New Orleans, to be honest. Um, I got, think I got it at six and a half or seven. I can't remember now. Um, but it was better than six. I don't, 
I just don't see the Bucks winning by margin here because Saints do have a competitive defense and know how to get under Tom Brady's skin. Because all three games last year, Tom Brady did not play well versus the New Orleans Saints. So actually, his probably three of his worst four games, five games maybe, were versus the Saints. So Saints defense is a, not as good as last year but still have a lot of the same key players, same coach, et cetera. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure Saints don't win this straight up. Um, I just I don't, I just don't see how this line is six. Seems like a, a huge, oh, Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl minus six. Like, on the road? Like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. Unless there's a big injury I'm missing. Um, but I, mean, I think it should be maybe minus three, minus, minus four max. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I agree. It really comes down. I mean, it's kind of like the same reasoning that didn't end up instigating us to pull the trigger. But it was like when Bucks versus Rams. Yeah. You know, it was like, I mean, well, if the Bucks aren't going to lose this game, well, then what, what are they ever going to lose? Are, like, are we just predicting they're going to go 15 and 2 or 16 and 1? Is that is that what we're saying then? Um, because that was as good as any for them to lose. Uh, this is as good as any for them to lose. You know, I think you made good points on Tom Brady not necessarily playing well versus the Saints. Um, I mean, he's get he's racking up stats and touchdowns, and he's That's undoubtedly playing well. But I've seen cracks in the game the last couple weeks, pretty much ever since they played the Patriots. Uh, or pretty much ever since they played the Rams. Um, and yeah, I think the Saints defense can put in an admirable performance here. And it's really going to come down to, you know, Jameis Winston. And is this the type of game where he unravels? I don't know why it necessarily would be unless they're just in his face relentlessly. Um, and again, if he acts stupid and is not thinking about this game, uh, you know, clinically, which he should, and not emotionally, like he wants to, you know, get yeah, back yeah. at the Bucks or this, because there is no Jameis Winston revenge. No, right? he's no, so no, no. emotionally driven. It's that is a, a weakness. You do not oh, want yeah, him, that. and that that's thinking where I, emotionally. That's where I would say. I, I can see a Bucks winning by a touchdown, like based on how the game flow goes with a Winston type quarterback. Like I, I don't I don't think it necessarily is a three point game unless the Saints are on the right side of that. So it's it's kind of a if you're gonna bet the Saints, I think there's a play that you just bet the money line. Whereas it like if the Bucks win, might very well might win by seven to ten points. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more variance as far as the final kind of score goes. Maybe a tease if you're into that. Um, but yeah, I, I still think the line is off, so you might get some variance backdoor cover type stuff anyways. Yeah, um, but I know I think the, the Saints is, is definitely the, the move. Okay. All right, so last one for you. This is interesting. It's a, this is a, it's a tough one. Uh, Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta's minus three. 
Obviously, Atlanta's kind of come into form since uh, you know after the first few weeks offensively, a little more, a little more rhythm, a little more ability to know yeah. what they want to do with Arthur Smith's offense. Carolina uh, benched Sam Darnold for some reason in the third quarter yeah. for PJ Walker. Yeah, I think I want to look at. I mean, again, the extent of the Panthers' offensive line health. Mm-hmm. Also, um, you know, something you want to continue to monitor too is, you know, when Stephen Gilmore is going to start to play. I think whenever he does start to play, he might play this game. But whatever his first or second games this is not going to be material. Um, but you will want to monitor so like that, especially that third, fourth kind of game. I think is when you can start to, re- you know, start to see him show an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this game, I mean, it's minus. It's a short. It's a cheap three, and it looks like it's going to go to two and a half. I mean, there's Panthers love in the market pretty much all season long. This is one where you know these two teams are moving in in opposite directions. Yep. Uh, you know, a very fishy line last week. You know, Panthers Giants Giants kind of plus three. Everybody pounding Panthers and Giants. You know, dealing with all their injuries. But the Panthers had just enough amount of injuries to also compromise their playbook um, and put uh, Sam Darnold under a sufficient amount of duress just to to completely throw him off his game. And again, the Panthers wide receivers are not helping him. They're not helping him. Um, I mean, again, you got some great names there, but they're not executing. Oh, yeah. Robbie Anderson, it's been non-existent in the offense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a one-man uh, show, DJ Moore, to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't think – I think you're getting way too cute trying to buy the dip on the Panthers because I don't even think this is a great dip here. Yeah. I mean, we talked about on last week's podcast, Panthers were, were a no – like you cannot bet the Panthers minus three on the road for anybody because that's not how you bet the Panthers. Um, even as, as attractive as maybe it looked superficially – uh, situationally, it's just not there. This is definitely more attractive at the plus three. But again, I'm not going to be in the mood, especially in a season where trends are persisting once they kind of start up. Mm-hmm. Why get cute and try to jump in and, and guess that there's going to be a reversal in the Panthers trend and the Falcons trend in the same game. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the one. And so it's, I'm going to go Falcons minus three. I mean, again, there's there's nothing sharp about it. It's, it's yeah, I mean, basically nothing like sharp has yeah. earned, has grown your bankrolls here. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, I mean, you're like, you're, to your point, you're, if you, if you take Panthers here, you're probably predicting something before there's been a signal that that's going to happen, which is, you know, Panthers being able to take take advantage of Atlanta's defense a little bit. But Atlanta's defense has actually started to play better than uh, this started. Um, even versus the Dolphins, I mean, I think Tua played really well. Um, but the, the defense really kind of got them in positions to be successful the last couple games. Um, then obviously, you know, Matt Ryan and company are, are taking advantage. I mean, Carolina's defense is still quite good. I mean, they they really, like, both qu- quarterbacks and offenses struggled for two and a half quarters. 
um, basically in that game with Panthers Giants. But you know, Danny Dimes can run a little bit and a little bit better kind of scheming at home. You know, got one touchdown and you know up twelve to five. It felt like it was a mile, or it just felt or twelve to three. It felt like you know Carolina was done at that point just because the defensive line was dominating the banged up uh, Panthers line. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think to your point, it, it really comes down to that offensive line for the Panthers is, is where I think we got to kind of see. Yep. if Because Darn- if Darnold's upright, he's, he's I think he'll find definitely more success. Um, and it'll be a coin flip of a game, probably. Um, any other Maybe games we wanted? Dolphins plus 14 versus the Bills. That's your uh, last one. Oh, this is my last one? I thought I already did five now. Okay. Um, oh, give me Dolphins. I, I mean, Dolphins' defense is, is, I don't know what they're doing. Nothing, basically. Um, uh-huh. I, I think I think Tua is, is growing on me. I think the more I see what he's capable of, the, I mean, he still makes mistakes and not entirely comfortable, I feel like, in an NFL game. But, I mean, the flashes are there. I mean, the flashes are what we saw, you know, why he replaced Jalen Hurts in Alabama. It's just, like, he has some really good stretches. Um, and, you know, division game, I don't just it's just too many points. But then, like you said, it's a, yeah, this, this is like a square sharp 101. Take the points. But, oh, man, it's tough. It is tough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I guess I'll just take the points. Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to, to lean against it, but I, I agree. I mean, I like what I've seen out of Tua for sure. Uh, but the defense definitely still looks vulnerable. And, I mean, the offense makes just enough mistakes that mm-hmm. can really turn the game sideways fast. Um, you know, Dolphins, you know, I imagine they're pretty exhausted. You know, even if it didn't necessarily show up explicitly versus that Fal- in that Falcons game, you know, coming off that London game with the no buy, you know, maybe oh, that shows up oh, here yeah. versus a, a well rested Bills team. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's no bueno. Actually, now that I think about it, mm. Mm. So yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one. I think, you know, again, the, the books are trying to give you enough points to so Keep the favorites awesome. don't cover. Uh, I think I, I think I'm gonna rename. I, I, I think I'm just gonna go super square here. Well, it's one of those things. I mean, again, when when the Buffalo when the Bills have been winning, you know, if they're going to have the script right and the other team's not going to show up, you know, the Bills don't take their foot off the pedal per se. No. no. Uh, you know, and yeah, I, they I, can win yeah. by 20, mm-hmm. 30. Like they're they're one of those teams that can do that. So. You know, when you're looking at some of these big spreads, the Bills are one of the more attractive teams to, to bet it on a big spread because you know that they're going to try to keep scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, and they have an aggressive offense. Mm. Not saying that they're definitely going to cover this by any means, but they're a more attractive team, one of the most attractive teams to bet double digit spreads on. Well, and, and you make a good point. Like, the whole, like, coming from London, losing a close game at the last second, losing another close game versus Atlanta, and two not very good teams. So, I mean, they're barely losing to those teams. 
Now they're going to go up to Buffalo. Like you said, well-rested. Buffalo's defense tough versus certain offenses. Miami can't run the ball. That's a problem. Um, so it's, it's, it's two or nothing. So really, this is the bet. The bet is, is Tua going to be able to perform well versus this Buffalo defense and get 20 points? I think that's the question. The answer? Hard to say, but um, if you can get over 20, you're probably in good position to cover. If not, I mean, a, a sophisticated trading strategy on this game would probably be betting Bills minus 14 and betting Dolphins money line plus 750. Because either this is going to be a blowout or it's going to be cl like a close enough of a one score game where live you're probably going to be able to get the Bills under minus 300. Um, because it's just going to, it's going to be this like, it's going to be a close game, and then two is going to keep the offense in, offense in it, or the Bills are going to run away with it. You know, it's going to be forty to fourteen. So, yeah, hmm. it's a tough one. But yeah, I think I'm flipped. I think I'm. I think I'm going to take the Bills. I think I'm going to ride the the chalkiness, ride the hype. Nice. All right, so you got Pats, Jags, Jets, Saints, Dolphins. Uh, Oof, not leaning, it, well, still leaning into three of the worst teams in the league. Uh, I have Steelers, Denver, Vikings, Niners, Falcons. Oh, that's not fair. So like we'll have your... to tally up our win-loss record. Oh, yeah. Uh, and see where we are on next week's pod. I like I it. think that wraps up our recaps and previews for week eight. Hopefully we can get some variance, some more signal this week. I uh, can have uh, some more substantive talking points uh, and try to, again, continue to, to drive a broader on performance. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll uh, chat next week. That's closing bell.